What's up, friends and followers of War Media? This is Kyle Means. I want to put y'all up on something real cool, and that's involving our friends at TixBlitz.com, where they got all types of great offers for seats and uh, on events of all kinds. Uh, they hooked us up with a promo code that is promo code WAR, W-A-R-R. You use that and you can save 5% off all purchases at TixBlitz.com or on the TixBlitz app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all events. TixBlitz provides the same great seats as other resellers, but with no service fees. None at all, y'all. I'm telling you, this is the hookup, man. We put you on. Alright. So hook so uh, support us, our friends at TixBlitz.com and never pay service fees again. That once again, TixBlitz.com, TixBlitz app available everywhere, y'all. All right, back at it once again. Let me see if my mic is plugged up. <laughs> there we go. All right, once again, it's on Running With War. Our latest and greatest episode got Gabe Wilkins with me. What Gabe said on Twitter, and Joshua M. Hicks, Joshua M. Hicks Media on Twitter and IG, banging in the Banging in the schoolyard as we always do. Got uh, plenty to talk about on this latest edition. We're going to bring in Steve Parham, the uh, head coach at Julian High School uh, men's basketball, as well as a writer and scout. Talk about uh, the goings on in high schools, high school scene here in Chicago and in Illinois. The, uh, the state tournament is going to be coming up this week. Um, in Champaign, I believe it's, it's back in Champaign, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and um, we gonna do, we gonna go, we gotta talk to him about some Duke stuff too, because uh, you know Duke kind of played themselves over the weekend, but uh, it's still a lot of interesting stuff going. We gonna we gonna get we gonna show Coach Case some love too, but you know they that, that was kind of bogus what happened on Saturday, but you know a lot of college stuff going on uh, about. You know, all the, the conference, this is one of the best weeks, you know, outside of, you know, the, the first week and weekend of March Madness. You got the conference tournaments this week. I think like six teams are uh, getting their uh, automatic bids tonight. And uh, so I'm bouncing back to those games and stuff and all that. So I like those games with the little gyms and stuff. You know, yeah, you, you like those little gyms on the East Coast and, <laughs> you know those little conferences and stuff. You know, yeah, you know you see the first, you know, the first time you see those clips, some of those teams all year. You know, but that that's that time to shine. You know, did, did y'all see the the shot yesterday? Uh, God, was that school? Uh, that was a little bigger gym though. That forty foot game winner. Wasn't it Chattanooga? 
Chattanooga, yes, yes, Chattanooga, yeah. UT Chattanooga. That was a dope. Yeah, that was that's that's the dope. That's the type of stuff you get at this time of year, man. That's that's great stuff, man. But uh, you know, of course, we're gonna get to the Bulls. You know, the, this originally was gonna be like a post game show for yesterday, but I man, by the end of that game, man, I just was like, man, I ain't feeling it, man. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Bulls, man. They you know, we, we we gonna dissect them a little bit, but. It's getting rough, man, and and you know, you know, it's coming out of that game. You know, like I say, it's it's sort of you know, there's some hard questions, some hard things you gotta gotta face. I think coming out of that game, and Billy Donovan said it said as much in the post game conference and everything. But uh, you know, flipping out of that on the more positive side, out on the on the non bull side, I think you know. I don't know. I think it's sort of clear cut what the MVP race is right now at this point. But I'm a, I'm a, we gonna go over that as well. And I also want to talk about you know who's the most dangerous team right now in the East. And uh, you know, there's there's two choices I got for that. But you know, we I'll, I'll I'll give y'all a chance to open that up as well. But um, first off, you know, just uh, going over some of the things that have been going on in the world and, and everything, you know, last, last show I, I ended it, you know, with a shout out to Ukraine. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, all, uh, a lot of, uh, like-minded people, you know, want peace over there right now, but, you know, it's a little bit more than what was being asked of, uh, you know, people like Vladimir Putin right now, but, uh, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard over there. What's going on. And, we talked a little bit last week about the cross section in basketball, in particular women's basketball, with the athletes that are being over that are over there trying to escape. And you know, over the last week, a primary uh, storyline that has developed is you know developed around one of our biggest women's basketball uh, stars here in the United States, and Brittany Griner. And, uh, you know, she's going through a harrowing uh, situation now, was playing uh, playing and, and, you know, competing over there in Russia. And now she's been, uh, you know, detained due to an issue with her supposedly having some uh, some drugs or drug paraphernalia or whatever. And um, I was wondering if you guys were keeping up with that. And, uh, you know, what's your what's your thoughts on that, you know, opening up? course i kept up with it uh that was the biggest story you know in all the sports uh the top off saturday morning and you know when i saw it um just makes you think about you know player safety over there um especially in this current political climate uh you know you hope that um u.s congress officials and politicians and the like can get involved and you know helping her get back home because uh that's not a good situation to be in um and you know, it, it's it's just very unfortunate, you know, just hearing stories from um, current overseas pros from Chicago, such as Jerome Randall, who I believe in Ukraine for a while um, this season and was trying to figure out a way to get out of his deal. And now you see and that happen with Brittany Griner, who is arguably, you know, just as big of a star in Russia as she is in the United States, you know, because she's one of the top players there by salary in the league in which she plays, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that was just very unfortunate. You just... uh hope that she could get back home safely and in one piece, man, because um, that could be a very ugly situation. And you just hope that all hands are on deck, you know, to help her get the assistance that she needs. Yeah. 
Hey, yeah. Josh, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, very similar to Dave's. Um, just really uh, focusing on the safety component of it. But I think the other side that really got me thinking, too, was I wish there was a way that we could expand the WNBA so they don't have to go overseas all the time to play these games, especially in situations like this where political wars are taking place. Because if the, if the league expanded in a way that it, we believe it could have, maybe a lot, a lot of this would have been eliminated. You would have a lot more WNBA players staying home um, playing and, and playing here in the United States. Um, so I just wish that we can get to a point or that can actually become a reality. So that way we wouldn't have to deal with situations such as Brittany Griner, which is very unfortunate. And not just Brittany Griner, but all the WBA players that's playing overseas in Russia and Ukraine right now, uh, trying to get them back home to safety because that's their main gigs outside of the WNBA, just to stay afloat. Um, so we, I, I wish all them, all the players, you know, safe travel, safety, and hopefully, you know, the opportunities to come back home. But I wish there was a way they could actually stay home and still make this hot money that they really rightfully deserve, like they're doing overseas right now. Yeah, you know they've, you know, that's 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 definitely been an issue. I, you know, I, I think it's hard to sort of exclude that market of and that, you know, that to exclude all of you know Europe or whatever or overseas. Uh, from these from these women, you know, it'll take a lot, you know, a lot of uh, investment here in the United States. But you know, you, you're not gonna necessarily have that for everybody. There's gonna be a market out there for for women basketball players to play in other nations. You know, like we have it for men. It's just you know, not everybody can play in the NBA. Not everybody can play in the WNBA. But it, it's 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 tough. It is tough where you know you have these precarious positions going on, and you know I don't I don't know how far out we could have foreseen. I know there's been there's been these issues over there for a while in Ukraine. I don't know in the Ukraine and, and you know so uh, former Soviet nations and everything uh, being at uh you know at the whims of of, of Russia, but uh you know. It's hard to foresee something like this happening, you know, even two months ago or so. So when when these women and these leagues were kicking off their seasons, I'm sure they were I, I don't know how much they knew about any sort of possible warlike actions that were going to take place in, in and around their their uh, where they were playing. So, you know, it's, it's just a tough situation. I think. When you get more towards Griner's situation, I you know hopefully reporting and, and everything will come of this, uh, where we can see you know was she pinpointed in, in any particular way targeted you know, you know being we've heard of issues where people of color have had you know pro particular problems transporting themselves across borders and get just simply getting out of the way of that area just. People just wanted to get out of that area and being held up for no reason or being not as uh, prioritized and being dealt with, you know, in, in crossing borders as as native Ukrainians or, or the like, you know. And uh, also, you know, you get to, like I say, the whole issue of her being a high-profile athlete and her possibly having some sort of narcotics on her. You know, was that is this was this a situation where they were possibly trying to send a message to the United States over there? And 
you know, that's the type of thing that is really scary for a person to get caught up in because those things are so much bigger than any one individual. And you're getting caught up in some geopolitical type, uh, you know, a uh, uh, type of, of play where, you know, one nation is trying to send a message again to another and trying to, you know, uh, you know, trying to come off harder than, than what, you know, than they need to, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot, man. And, you know, like I said, as basketball fans, you know, I just can't help but think about, you know, and this goes into what you say, Josh, like just a few months ago, she was over here playing in the WNBA finals, playing at the highest level in, in America, you know, just enjoying herself. You know, she didn't win eventually, but, you know, she was just playing the sport as any other player of her caliber would. And, you know, to have to go from that to this in such a, uh, such a small amount of time is just a hard thing, you know. And, uh, you know, we definitely need some change in, in that regard and definitely should keep our thoughts and prayers with Brittany, man, and, and her loved ones and hope they can see, uh, hope they get the support that they need to uh, see themselves through this situation. Most definitely. And you also hope that, you know, the Mercury organization um, steps up as well. You know, they, they said that they have had some knowledge about the situation. My only question about the situation was, is why did it take so long, you know, to hit the news? You know, especially yes. yes. it is, um, a high profile star in the WNBA. Like you said, a star that has played the WNBA finals just recently as the last year. Now, so it's won um, multiple WNBA championships in a time down in the desert. So, you know, you you just you you do wish your you know her her family well and thoughts and prayers, but and you and you do wonder sometimes when you see these stories come in as late as they have, is there some bigger play as you mentioned as well, Cal? Because that was definitely something that came to my mind as well. Um, you know, especially considering you know the the um, the relationship between the U.S. and Russia, even though Russia and Ukraine is going through their thing as well, and uh, that's 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 a real crazy situation that you don't wish on anybody um to be in especially you know on foreign soil um in a, in a situation where they're not familiar with and granted you know you got WNBA players playing overseas and it's always going to be an overseas market for women basketball players who aren't able to go to the WNBA as you alluded to but when you have top five and top 10 and top 15 players having to do this year in and year out yeah. that's that's crazy um, and, and it lets you know, like, yeah, that should, yeah. Yeah, more investments need to be made in the WNBA for certain. Um, who's gonna step up remains to be seen, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that shouldn't be the case. Like, we he said, it's not you know, uh, the NBA, NBA is not the case for NBA players, you know, and uh, you know, but, but I, I, like I said, what, what I was basically saying was that, yeah, basically at this point in time, there would be typically some sort of American or foreign presence in those nations, regardless, because they have basketball leagues that people want to put on basketball leagues in those nations. You know, people are going to go over there and play. But yeah, it, it's like I said, it's more striking, like you say, Gabe and, 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 and Josh, when we have stars, established stars over here having to go over there. And, and this has been established. They go over there to make money that they couldn't make here. And, you know, in recent times, we've had actually this year, for the first time, you had established like the uh, the athletes with the athletes united, and um, 
you know, that old thing. They put out they put out some games and stuff, some tournaments in Vegas. Uh, but it's it's not that's not the type of things uh set up yet that could keep, you know, like I say, keep a Britney Griner from coming up from having to travel elsewhere or some of these other players, uh, you know, uh, of of you know, the the top rank from having to go over there and make the money that they feel that they should be making over here or, or want to make at least. And, um, yeah, so, you know, like I say, overall, you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot about reform and things that need to be done, you know, to better uh, protect or better, you know, just show more value for our uh, for, for women's basketball players. But this really drives it home, this type of situation. Uh, you know uh, how uh, precarious they can, you know, precarious situation they could be put in just for one to to compete and do do uh, do their job at a certain level, you know. So um, yeah, uh, like I said, wish the best for her. Wish the best for uh, uh, everyone. Everyone who is still over there. I'm not sure how many more WNBA level players are still over there, but uh, you know, definitely the big issue. Like, like, gay. I think one of the big issues, not the biggest issue, was the delay in time between our first being deposed and, and us hearing about it over here. Uh, you know, it was about like two weeks or something, gay. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. the thing that you know stands out. You know, when 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 looking at it, is why did it take so long? And um, you know, and especially when the Mercury organization knew about it. You know, that, that was the biggest question that I had. But to me, that was arguably the biggest story on Saturday morning and drop um, in the sports world. So I definitely have my eyes on it. Let's all keep our eyes on that uh, as, it, as it keeps going forward. But, uh, you know, on a, on a, I say, bring it back over here. Uh, I said, on, a, on another level and everything, another note. Uh, we we uh, want to, want to, want to, bring up uh, one of these uh, uh, series that we're going to be keeping track of both on here and on some other war programming uh, the winning time series with the LA uh, focusing on the the Showtime Lakers of the eighties. Now there's that premiered uh, over the weekend on HBO. Uh, I'm going to be doing some, uh, some, uh, some series recap show recaps with my guy, uh, David Evans, uh, we'll, we'll probably bring some of y'all on too from from this show and others. Uh, so we're gonna do that later in the week. Me and Dave will do our first one. But I want to bring. You know, I'm gonna talk about it here on this on this show as well with the guys. You know, Josh didn't get a chance to see this first episode that was that aired on HBO on Sunday, but uh, you know, me and Gabe did. So uh, right quick before we bring um, uh, Steve on, Coach Steve, and. Uh, Getting to the you know the Bulls and everything, and I want to talk a little bit about that first episode and uh, get your thoughts on the game. I saw on Twitter you had mentioned one thing that really stuck out to me too of that episode. Like this this episode, like I said, it's talk it is based on a book called Showtime by Jeff Perlman, the great uh, writer and reporter. Uh, who has done a lot of in-depth books, nar- you know, big narrative books uh, of, of biographies of people like uh, Walter Payton and others, but uh, also of teams and eras. And the Showtime Lakers, he took on 
that whole era in a book and wrote about basically the building of that team and its uh you know its initial uh the initial buying of the team by Dr. Jerry Buss in the late 70s and the drafting the, the drafting soon after of uh Magic Johnson in 1979 and then you know, just the way that that team skyrocketed, that franchise skyrocketed all the way up to uh, Magic's initial retirement in 1991 from, uh, you know, his having to announce that he was uh, HIV positive. And, um, you know, the book, the series starts off, the first episode actually starts off, the very first scene is Magic uh, learning that he's, uh, I guess, learning that he was uh, HIV positive he didn't. He hadn't announced it yet. He's just in the doctor's room, let up, uh, and he's he's learning that. Then it flashes all the way back to '79, and the the whole episode then sort of takes place. Uh, it, it deals with a lot of stuff that uh, <laughs> it's 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 a it's it's an entertaining show. A lot of sort of humor involved in it too. Uh, uh, Jerry Buss uh, being played by John C. Riley. And um, uh, a young unknown actor uh, by name of uh, God, you gonna help me out? To man, tell me out this guy, Quincy, Quincy Isaiah, yeah, who was played by Matt, who was playing Magic, and um, also in also in the series is uh, Devon Nixon, the son of Norm Nixon, playing his playing his father. So those are three main uh, main actors in regards to the team. There's also uh. Jerry West being played by an actor named Jason Clark. And um yeah, it's it's just a lot that goes into this. We got uh, there's a lot of history. Like I said, we'll we'll go into it in the uh the other show that I'm gonna do uh with the recap. But uh this it, it, it got off to a good start. My overall take is that it got off to a good start. I've since read some things about the portrayals that uh you know, some criticism about the portrayals, uh in particular uh let's get this up uh was uh my man from uh, mark stein yeah mark stein had a lot to write uh write about the portrayal of jerry west in the episode uh as but from jerry west in his point of view in this episode like I say, I'm getting back to the point that you that you made gave on Twitter, and this is something else. This something that I also had that I that uh, was sort of revelatory to me was that how much the Lakers sort of struggled with making the choice of getting Magic Johnson in '79, and in you no know, they uh, there was a term, there's apparently more of an internal struggle there then you know a, a lot of us who weren't there at the time knew about now you know how much should we trust the the depiction in the show maybe that may be that still may be an issue but you know the i guess the show is the, is also basing a lot of it on the book and you know a lot of their depiction on the book so it, it's it's a, it's sort of tricky but Basically, what the show says is that, you know, West wanted no part of, of drafting Magic Johnson and he wanted Sidney Moncrief in that draft. This is, you know, the uh, 
and an inter- interesting role that the Bulls play in, in the in this whole process is that there was a coin flip prior to uh, the the form the the formulating of the draft order that year, and the Bulls could have been the number one team in that draft. Uh, you know, it was the the basically I say the coin flip was between the Bulls and the Lakers. Bulls wind up uh, getting uh, who they, who's they get? They got David Greenwood. Yeah. That's they, what they got. David Greenwood and okay, and the Lakers they had the choice to pick Magic. Everybody, you know, you would have thought, yeah, it was just a no brainer. He was coming off the national championship win, beat Larry Bird and all that, and um, you know, Larry Bird was all, already in '78. He was locked down with the uh, Boston Celtics, so he wasn't even a factor in the draft. So, uh, uh, you know, like I said, everybody thought it was a no-brainer. You get Magic Johnson, but apparently, you know, Sidney Moncrief was uh, of, uh, you know, <coughs> of, of was wanted by uh, by West and, you know, uh, Jerry Buss, who actually didn't have complete control of the team yet. He was in, in process of claiming the team from Jack Kent Cook, who previously owned the team. Uh, he, was, he was trying to buy the team, like say, buy the team from Jack and Cook. You know, he wanted Magic, and a lot of this episode shows how Magic and Jerry Buss first become enamored with each other. They meet and they become enamored, and you know, sort of get it started getting to their Playboy stuff in L.A. together. So, you know, <laughs> like I say it's a it's a very fun watch, and uh, you know, Gabe, I'll let you get get into your thoughts and. Uh, you know, on that side, you know, as far as the historical depictions or whatever, and, and what did you think about how it was portrayed? Overall, for a pilot episode, it was a very well-played pilot. Um, I think it shows yeah. you, if you're a true fan of the game, the process that goes into buying teams, which I don't think the average fan understands or knows. Um, yeah. Back then, how it was much different, because if I'm not mistaken, I think he purchased the Lakers for $67 million. And, you know, and look at what yeah. they've become now, um, you know, over the course of time and in the 40-plus the years that they the bus families had ownership. But you think about where they started from and how, you know, I, I get some of it. I wasn't expecting as much dark comedy as I saw, but it it, it goes well with it, um, it, as well as, like, the breaking of the fourth wall, which I thought was unique and you don't see done in most television shows anymore. But it, it goes well with yeah. it. I like that it was shot. Um, I think some of the things that were depicted or the way some people were depicted wasn't necessarily true based off what I've read, like the Norm Nixon and Magic thing. Yeah, it was competition there, but I don't think it was that crazy as to what um they made it out to be in, in, in the first episode. Now, how that develops over the course of the series, I'm interested to see. Um, I, I think that they did very well from a casting standpoint of the actors. Uh, yeah. As far as like with Jerry West, he was a true revelation. I don't think Jerry West is the type of guy that they portrayed him to be. Um, but I did read that that was true about them having some um, conflict in regards to which direction to go with the number one pick and how he wasn't necessarily sold on Magic, which I can kind of understand because during that time, from the way in which the game was played, if you didn't fit a so a certain mold. At the point guard, you weren't well accepted. And with Magic being the guy that was 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and being able to bring the ball up the floor, you could tell that people weren't ready for that. 
Um, and, and I could get where he was coming from, but it just was interesting just to see the parallels and then just to also see the struggles in which Buzz had to undergo in the effort to get the team. And only yeah. my only thing, only problem I had with it is they didn't highlight Donald Sterling, who is really like uh, enough to me, who is really the guy who most people don't know helped Dr. Buzz get the Lakers. It gave him, you know, loan money to make sure that that deal went through. And both of those guys had and, a and real he was yeah. game in SoCal. Yeah, and he was he was actually shown in this first episode, but yeah. they just sort of went with the joke of him being him being quote the second worst Donald of the eighties and yeah and and they they gave they they did some foreshadowing with him where he was sort of like uh you know he was he was sort of uh looking over magic like he was a you know like a you know piece of property or something and you know they 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 give you a little bit of the issues that we would learn. Come, come learn later. And one thing with this series that I wasn't aware of that I, I thought it would just be, that it was just going to be like a mini series, but apparently the series may it may actually be multiple series because the uh, one review that I read says that the first season only deals with this first with the first year that Magic was there. So apparently the, the, they they have plans for the show to stick around for a while. No, uh, if you know, if we only spend one season on one year, and uh, so that's going to be interesting. And, and I, I guess it would um, it would make me think that they were going there. There could be a lot of time going forward where they do get into other characters like Donald Sterling, and you know others in L.A. and stuff. They there was a lot of people who they touched on already in the series in this first episode, like Genie Bus and. Um, uh, you know, uh, that was uh the the uh the manager of the the form. I forget her name. She's important too. Going forward, Claire, yeah, Claire Rothman, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, other yeah, there's, there's they touched they touched on a lot of names that they're gonna you know of people who they're gonna bring up and sort of uh I say be more characterized characterized going forward, but uh. Well, I want. I'm on. I'm on rewrite quick. Uh, before I bring Steve on, uh, what Mark Stein did. Mark Stein, you know, veteran NBA reporter, covered the LA for a couple years. He covered the Lakers specifically for a couple years in the '90s himself. But he, this is what he had to say about uh, the first episode. Uh, Jerry's what Jerry West's old office at the Fabulous Forum did not have windows to hurl objects through in anger. None of the forum's basketball offices did. West also, to my knowledge, did not keep his 1969 NBA Finals MVP trophy in that office. That scene Sunday night where he supposedly chucked it through glass in frustration because the Los Angeles Lakers drafted Magic Johnson over Sidney Moncrief total fabrication. I'm likewise told West never played golf in a foursome with eventual Lakers owner Jerry Buss and then Lakers general manager Bill Sharman. Uh, even if he had, I'm quite confident that West, even ever the gentleman in public, never would have broken a golf club over his knee or storm away from a putt to engage in a Kirkfield shouting match with the Regal Sharman. So, yeah, there's. If if depending on your knowledge of the whole situation and of the league and of the franchise, you know you may have certain issues with depictions 
and uh you know specific details and stuff like that but you know i'm I'm recommending the series as of now you know and uh, i'm interested to see how many more points at with, with how many more points does the story sort of take privilege or take a you know license with uh uh you know judi- uh, artistic license i should say with the the actual story and how and and how other people from that time from the team from the franchise from that era if anybody gonna come out and say, uh, you know, say anything about the way that they're depicted, uh, Kareem was interested too in this episode. They had they show Kareem filming uh, the, the movie Airplane in this in this uh, episode, and he's like they they really sort of get into him being ultra black, and you know, <laughs> they show pictures of. You know that he, he's he's in this dressing room, got the loud jazz in in the headphones, and you got France Fanon books on the <laughs> on his dresser and stuff. Like he, they really drove that home, like you know, uh, just who Kareem was supposed to be at that point in time. But it, it's it's a, it's a it was fun for me. It was a fun watch, and uh, I said we gonna we gonna keep uh, as a whole here with running and. Uh, you know, a, a, a war media. We're gonna keep up with this show as it goes on on HBO throughout the uh, the spring here. But well, uh, let, let me uh, let me not hold off Steve any longer. He's been patient with us, holding on here. Coach Steve Parham from the uh, Julian High School. What's going on, brother? Oh man, what's happening, man? Thanks it's been a while. Man. How you doing, fellas? How you doing, Steve? Yeah, yeah, it's been. A- I think yeah, we haven't had you on since the new year, huh? Yeah, we have. I, I think the last time I got with you guys was like right before the big um, when Size Collider event, um, like when Simeon, no, Whitney Young played. Oh, you, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. And yeah, we didn't, I don't think we talked after that, but we, we nah. get you now. Uh, we get you now a day after the, the super sectionals. Which happened uh, at UIC? We all we all talk about that in a little bit, but uh, okay. you know, I, I sort of drag I sort of dragged out a couple of opening uh, topics here. We haven't even gotten to the Bulls yet. Um, you know, I don't know how much you're gonna talk about with the Bulls, <laughs> but uh, you know, yesterday they take another L with Philly. Uh, they lose their 11th straight since. Uh, since you know, Joel Embiid has been on the Philadelphia 76, they have yet to beat him as a pro, and they continue their overall just they they continue their losing streak against top three teams in both the East and the West. So they haven't beat a top three team in in either conference this season, and uh, it, it's so, it's really starting to drain on I think the fan base and the team itself and the coach. You know he he. You know, uh, you know, Coach Donovan didn't seem uh, to have much energy in the, the post game. So, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it to you guys, Gabe and Josh, man. Your thoughts coming out of this game. Do you think this was type of game that really drives home sort of the deficiencies that the Bulls may have right now? Or is it just a bad matchup? Like, it, it seems to be the worst matchup for them. You know, go, trying to stop Embiid, he he hits them with another forty point game, and you know, on top of that, you have uh, you know, his 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 ultimate Robin now with with James Harden at his side. You know, they just played sort of a perfect game 
uh, really was able to do a, a pretty much anything they wanted. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 absolutely. You 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 frustrated about it, but it, it is all about matchups. But in my opinion, I expected this with the Bulls, um, even though Caruso and Ball are no not in the lineup. Part of having young teams in the NBA and dealing with them, even when they ascend upward, is figuring out is them figuring out how to beat top notch teams. And you got to think about it when you look at the Bulls roster; they have a lot of guys who have not been battle-tested, if you were to take away DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso and Tristan Thompson off the roster. And I think they're finally getting a chance to feel what it's like playing in hostile environments. Philadelphia is not a tough – I mean, not a hard – not an easy place, rather, to play in the league, and it hasn't been over the last several years. Um, when that building gets loud and that team goes on runs very quick, it could take even some of the most experienced teams out their comfort zone. Um, so I – in my opinion, it's not the best matchup for them. And, yes, they do have to figure out ways to beat top three teams. But the loss against Milwaukee, in my opinion, hurts more than this one does because that was a game that you had a chance to win and you were up in, had a great third quarter. You just didn't finish it. And that's what they have to learn how to do. And that's their next step is trying to learn how do we win as a unit together um, once they find a way to get healthy. Because sooner rather than later, Caruso will be back. Lonzo will be back. Patrick Williams will be back, albeit, you know, near the tail end stretch of the season. And they're going to need all three of those guys and other hands on deck in the effort to try and make some noise in an Eastern Conference where they're not going to have nothing given to them. And they're going to have to prove it. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the main thing right now because uh, when you look at the way that Philly is surging, Philly looks like they're – determined to at least be a top two team in the conference going into the playoffs. You got another team in Boston who has just been on hitting on all cylinders and uh, they're invading the top three. Now you still got Milwaukee who was involved and, and the bulls are just, like I say they're losing, they're losing ground and losing, uh, you know, real estate in that top, in that top uh, four. So now you're looking at like, can they keep in the top six? And, and keep themselves out of that play in because that's not going to be assured given uh, who else is in the mix when uh, Cleveland and and the like uh, and, and still, you know, as of now, you still have uh, a, a, the Nets team that can possibly be in the mix with that as well, but still Charlotte and others, you know, Josh, what, do you, what are your thoughts coming out of the game and, and what does it set up, say about the Bulls and, and, and their, uh, you know, their outlook right now? Uh, nothing much. Outside of what we already know. Uh, just, I didn't expect them to win this game. We never win against Joel Embiid in the first place because Joel Embiid is just a matchup uh, nightmare for us. But at the same time, uh, like Gabe mentioned, we don't have all of our best defenders at least healthy and, and playing. And, and we can't guard anybody as a team as a unit for a full 48-minute game. We, that's really the biggest problems that the Bulls deal with. And honestly, that's a problem that's always been, honestly, a historic problem for the franchise in general over the past few years, is them being able to put together units and games where they can play for full 48 minutes, especially since the Billy Donovan arrived here last year. And that, that's something that takes time over time to figure out. But at the same time, 
it's up to the players to get down to the nitty gritty and know how to put a stop to it, no matter who's on the court. Um, Billy Donovan always talks about how it doesn't matter who's on the court. They have to play together as a defensive unit and they have to come together and find ways to get it done. It does. They don't have the, they don't have the top players that can actually assist with that, but it also doesn't help that you're playing Zach Levine who doesn't have, whose knee injury is probably worse than where he's put that's being put out there right now. And you can see it. He's not moving as quick, not as explosive, can't jump as high. Um, he's not as aggressive defensively, except in key moments when he has to be. But outside of that, the team is co- and his ways have to overcompensate for those things. And I love the, the, the addition of Tristan Thompson because he gives us a toughness that we need, especially in the paint as a backup big man. But at the same time, it can't just be him in the paint guarding the ball, uh, you know, guarding against the best of the best. It can't just be Guys like Io running the guarding against guarding the best players all over the court all, all game long. People that aren't that don't play defense that much, Zach Levine, Kobe White, Lamar DeRozan, even though those are players that are no defense, defensive stoppers per se, they could play better defense overall to assist the defensive stoppers that are currently on the floor with them. And that's the biggest thing. And the offense will come and go, but at the end of the day, defensively is where you have to win, win to those games and get you deep into the championships. And unfortunately, the Bulls don't have that right now because they're not just playing defense individually. They're playing, not playing defense as a cohesive unit without their best players on the court. And that's what's, been, that's what's nipping them in the bud right now. Hey, you talk about offense coming and going. You know, I want to uh, throw, out, throw out something I, I got Drew uh, tweeted out. He couldn't come on the show tonight, but I'll give, give us a little bit of Drew to uh, what he tweeted earlier today uh, about DeMar. And, uh, you know, him coming out of that amazing stretch where so much of uh, what he was doing was based on his uh, efficiency, his ability to keep shooting over 50% from the field. And, um, you know, this is what Drew said. He came into the All-Star Weekend shooting 50% from mid-range, 50.2. He's hit only 43.9% of those shots in the six games since in the past two games against the Bucks. And Sixers, DeRozan is eleven for twenty-seven in the mid-range. So that's that was something where he was eating, and the Bulls were eating a lot in uh, in recent times, and that's been taken away from him as well. And but like Josh said, those are going there are going to be times where that offense is not coming in the same way that you expect it to. Uh, one thing that you can rely on more if you provide it for yourself is defense is defensive effort. And they haven't been able to do that as much as they as we would like to like them to. Yeah, and and honestly, you gotta think about it. We're still talking about young guys who really haven't played that much NBA basketball in their career. So we can't expect them to overnight just be able to just rise up and play these top level teams that's been playing I mean, let's be real. I mean, and I, and I didn't mean to uh, cut you off. Uh, I mean, I want to cut off a little bit, Kyle. The team we didn't you didn't even mention, the number one team right now, is Miami. You know what I'm saying? Miami is, is a team you didn't even mention. And realistically, well, I, I, I kind of did that. I kind of did that. Yeah, <laughs> purpose. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the, like, the thing is, they can't even. They, the Bulls, like, right, right, I'll just say right quick. The Bulls. Like Gabe mentioned the game against Milwaukee being a tough loss, and it was. The Bulls have played Milwaukee good this year. 
uh, in both of those games, they played them well. They just couldn't beat them. They've they've played more or less competitively with 76ers even. They just have that horrible matchup with Embiid, and they can't can, they can't ever contain him. They haven't done a damn thing against Miami. So the the Bulls being in the number one spot is is really a foregone conclusion right now. That, that's not happening because Miami, yeah, like it, you it said, was, it was fool's gold. They're playing playing the most consistent ball in the East, and if the Bulls the Bulls are not going to have any chance at a tiebreaker with them because they can't beat them right now. And and the like I say, the same is looking the same. It's looking the same for them against the 76ers, unfortunately, as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you and you were saying, like, realistically, we don't have a matchup. I thought maybe getting Tristan Thompson would probably help us a little bit defensively because he knows, you know, angles and things. But remember, Tristan Thompson has been in the league for a while. He's not moving with Embiid. Uh, Tristan Thompson doesn't seem comfortable guarding Embiid out on the perimeter like that. Um, and then, you know, Embiid is able to – he's a great passer. He, You know, and then he's talking crap as he's playing. So he's probably getting to, in, into the guy's head. And we know Vooch is who he is. He's going to be a double-double guy, but he's not going to be able to guard anyone. He's not – I mean, I don't know what matchup fits well for him – come playoff time, to be honest. I don't know who – I mean, even with the Cleveland, I know Jared Allen has been out. Is He's just got hurt. But still, are yeah. we going to put – in the first round, we get Cleveland. We're going to put Vucevic on um, – what's the, uh, the rookie? Um, Evan Mobley. Uh, Mobley. Evan Mobley. Yeah, is he going to hurt Evan Mobley? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, these are things that – that we do have to face, but um, I think, like you said, the main thing is is the ball pressure. We need that back. We do need uh, Caruso's ball pressure because um, Io can't do it on the best play every night. It's just not going to happen. Uh, he'll tire you, you out. See, we saw thing. him guarding. We, we saw him trying trying to guard uh, Harden yesterday too. That was hard. Yeah, like that, that was yeah. that was a welcome to the league moment for Io. He's been getting a lot of welcome in the league moments. He's been getting a lot of welcome yeah. in the league moments lately. Because like anytime you gotta go and guard Trey Young, then you gotta guard James Harden, a Tyler Harrow. Every single <laughs> night, he's getting somebody uh, assigned to him that's gonna make him work. And he's had moments yeah. where he succeeded, but he's also had moments where he got exposed. And that's just part of the game. He learning, and you know, yeah. having to figure out a way to adjust to it. And I agree with you, Steve, on Vucevic because. It's going to be so many guards come playoff time. When that game get in that half court and it's a pick and roll attack, guards are going to seek to hunt him down. James Harden, Darius Garland, all the life Trey Young, they're going to seek to hunt him down on a one-on-one and get him isolated at all times. And Tristan, I mean, it's a lot of bigs that don't want to play against Joel in space when he has it in the perimeter. But for mm-hmm. the most part, I, I like the addition of Tristan because he gives him some toughness and girth inside, and they need him for his rebounding ability which is something that has really killed the Bulls in a lot of games. It killed them against Milwaukee. And that's another thing he has to come down to as well. So their point of attack got to be much better defensively, particularly with the guards. And rebounding, they got to be much better. And Vucevic, yeah, he, he pretty much is who he is, but he's the biggest X factor. Because when Vucevic is yep. playing well, the team is rolling. When Vucevic is not no. playing well, they're getting killed. On all facets, yep. every level. And, yeah. 
And I think we also got to look at that power forward position. We're using small forward guys to play power forward. I mean, yeah. we we putting Green at at a power forward who's six four. Yeah, he's athletic, but brother, you're still six four trying to guard a, a probably six seven, six ten guy uh, who's probably athletic and can shoot. And the same thing with uh, Jones, athletic as ever, but still playing a four, and he's so thin. Like, who are you really guarding? Maybe, and, and I get it. They, the, from my point of view, they're trying to switch everything and be comfortable switching everything, and that's fine. But come playoff time, we know it's about possessions, just like you know when we talk about later as far as uh, the, the state stuff um, and the high school side. It's about possessions, and we don't. And, and I, I think. Uh, Hicks had mentioned something about like Levine being hurt, not really necessarily knowing. Like, if we don't have that second uh, uh, second score from Levine, we are dead in the mud first round. I I thought this Bulls team would be a second round out and out team possibly this year, but we could possibly be a first round and out because yeah, if we don't find that second score immediately, we we gonna struggle, especially when it comes down to these possessions. Because Demar can't he can't he's not gonna be able to save us every time. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna leave a lot of pressure on Kobe White too, who a guy who I think is very capable of winning you a couple playoff games, but that's a hell of a spot to put your six man in every single night if you're not able to get that production consistently from Zach, as you alluded to. And I got a chance to see him personally against Minnesota his last game mm-hmm. prior to All Star break, and when he went up for that dunk and he landed, that knee ever since that moment has not been right. You've had flashes. I think we saw that on Friday night when he had a real great game against the Bucks and he was getting to his spots and whatnot. But when he's not able to do that consistently, yeah, it's going to leave a lot of pressure on on, on somebody to, to um, spot DeMar on a night where he doesn't have it. And it's really going to put the most pressure on Kobe because he's the guy that can get hot at any given instant. And they're going to need him to have that. It's rough, man, because when you looked at that, when you look at that first half of the season, and they got out to the run that they did, and got out to the top of the conference, so much like every day was going so right that it was like it was it was easy to look at things and and forget and forget about some of the deficiencies and the natural holes that that were there for this team, you know. Uh, even in spite of you know with, with they were dealing with that COVID stuff and everything, it was. They it seemed like this was a team that was deep enough and uh inflexible enough with their talents to be able to get a get over anything in the light of that stuff. But in really what we saw at that time was a team that wasn't being tested as much as they needed to. They they've been tested much more in the past six weeks than they were in any time before that in the season. The schedule has been more consistently uh, tough. They they got more. They've had more role games, and they they got more role games coming up as well. And they just yeah they they, they like I said we we know what we've what we've missed in the front court that was rectified a little bit with Thompson, but he's not a cure all. And we definitely know what we miss in the in the perimeter in the on ball defense. With uh, Al Caruso and um, and Ball still out, so yeah, it's uh, I, and for a while I was just like, man, let's just wait till these guys come back. But even then, it's it's sort of a similar situation to me with with uh, Brooklyn, where you're you're waiting on these reinforcements to come, but 
less and less days are available in the regular season to be able to to make those things come to fruition and to be able to get yourself in a position where you're ready to go once the uh the the playoffs are going and you know it, it really you don't want to have to get the motor running in the playoffs you want to be ready to go right when the playoffs start you know you don't it's it's not like baseball or something where you can just play your best ball of the year at that at that time and, and sort of find a way to get through the postseason. In the NBA, you got to be the team that you want to be ideally right when the playoffs start. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna we got to see something happen with this. Something's got to flicker, some sort of light that reflects what they were doing in the first half. I would like to see that again in the next week or so, but that's going to be – we look at the schedule, it's going to be a tough ask again. They have the Pistons tomorrow on the road. Pistons have played better ball lately. You know, Cavaliers dealing with – yeah. Cavaliers coming back here on Saturday. We know that they're an improved team overall. They've dealt with some injuries, like we said, uh, uh, with Allen and, and such, but they're still a team that, uh you know, is – pretty competitive and they're going to be looking to uh, keep themselves going in their playoff hunt. Then they go out on the West West coast a little bit with the Kings jazz and sons all in a row jazz. And I mean, forget about the Kings game. That could be, that could be any number of things. Jazz and sons alone is, is going to be tough. Then you got the Raptors at home and the bucks uh, in Milwaukee as you start to get closer to the end of the month. Uh, it's yeah, it's nothing's letting up. Like you got a Pelicans game in the middle of of all this, but that may not be even that. They've been improved in in recent weeks as well with their play. So, but it's not gonna be. It's not any uh off days really coming up, man. They they got to get going again somehow. Uh, I I was reading something about Patrick Williams. Is he supposed to be making a comeback? Like, is he? They gonna try to play him He's, this year? He's getting closer. I would I would expect him to start playing again before the before the end of the regular season. But again, there's how much is he going to be offering? That's going to be a question there. Exactly. We don't know. How does he, he fit with this start. team? I, that, but how does he fit with this team though? Like they they have a that 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 original group when we made our run when we were healthy had a nice little they had a nice little kick to it and everybody kind of just came in and did their job i don't know how pat fits with this particular team and granted he could be come in and just take the 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 that four that small four power four position cool but at some point we also need to try to be a scorer for us too because we just can't have you out here and, and I, you know, so I, I don't know. I feel like you give them a few shots here and there, but if it's not going to work, we got to figure out what to do going forward. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm only saying this because I'm not a Patrick Williams fan. So um, <laughs> that's why, I, that's why I, I'm, I, I really just want to know, like, you know, if we, if we kept them, you know, so what, what are we going to do with them that, you know, I hear what I hear what you said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you got to show up with something. Though. He yeah. the biggest wild card because you don't know when he comes back whether or not he's gonna start, and then if he doesn't start when he's coming off the bench, how how many minutes you gonna play? Him? 
Is his three-point shot going to be there? Now, prior to him getting hurt, he showed some signs in that Knicks game where he was showing some strides and some promise, you know, getting to the rim, making stuff happen on both ends of the floor. Is that going to be the same guy that you get back or not? And depending on the matchup, you may not have a choice but to start him, especially when you bring up uh, Steve earlier about Javante Green being small and being uh, a guy that you put at the four, but he's like 6'4", 6'5", undersized, and you don't – you don't know how that matchup is going to play. It really doesn't tend to favor him well against the Giannis's and the, uh, and the big guys and the KD's of the world. So they're going to have to do something. And he's going to get some minutes, but whether or not he starts or not remains to be seen. He's the biggest wild card on this Bulls team right now. It goes to show you again, that's one of Steve's first points that he made about this team being so young. We, we talk about Io having to guard so many other teams' best playmakers on a given night, and you know we go, we we talk about you know, P. Will being of such need to fill a hole in that in that four spot. Like that's the type of thing that a championship team it, it shouldn't be asking the players who are a, a year or two in the league. You know, what I mean that's that's a, that's it's, it's unfair. It's but you know it's, it's what we need, but it's, it's it's not it's not the fairest thing. That, that you can ask of kids that age, but you know, it's the position that they're in, you know, they didn't uh, fortify that. That's the the team in that way to where they went, they couldn't ask anybody else to, to uh, provide in those particular positions. And IO has, you know, that was a sort of a, uh, you know, fortuitous thing, uh, a, a little bit of a, a roll of the dice there that worked out very well in their favor. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it'll be great. It's great that we got him going forward, but again, he he's got it. He's going to be taking his lumps naturally because, you, like, like you say, Gabe, he's going out there. He's going out there trying to shut down uh, all stars in, in most evenings. You know, Trey Youngs and Hardens and and the like. You know, it's uh, that's not going to work for him every night at, at this point. He's not there yet. You know. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at some white boys fighting in one of these conference games now uh, on the ESPN. It's it, it's getting wild, man. We go we gonna get into these uh these conference games, these these college games in a minute. But I, I want to do a couple of uh either ors right quick. Uh, you know, we're not doing much league wide talk tonight, but uh, just sort sort of two of the two of the more uh prescient uh storylines going on right now. I w- I'll start off with the you know the team that we were talking about along with the Bulls, Philly. Uh, you know, will we do we see them as the most dangerous team in the East or is it Boston or is it someone else? To me right now, Philly got it. They they got it, man. James Harden motivated. You know, just seeing the, the training routine that he went through last night after uh, the Bulls win, you know, running up the stairs, getting getting weightlifting in, getting treatment in each and every day. You can tell that he's trying to ramp his body up um, into tear top shape after starting the season a little bit out of shape, dealing with the hamstring issue and whatnot. Um, he's he's rejuvenated. Joel Embiid is playing stellar basketball right now, in my opinion. You know, the season ended today. He'd be the MVP in my book. Um, then you add Tyrese Maxey, who has been huge and guys thought wouldn't work with James, um, been excellent running the floor, 
finishing in transition, you know, knocking down catch and shoot threes. That was a big question with him. He's been a perfect fit um, besides James. And I know that he's been soaking James' mind for a lot of knowledge and whatnot in regards to playing off the pick and roll and so forth. Matisse Thibault, you know, been active on the defensive end. Only question I have with Philly is Tobias Harris. They're going to need him to step it up. Um, and since James Harden has been in that lineup, he's been kind of cold and he's been rather pedestrian-like. So they're going to really need him to be a big-time factor in the playoffs, um, even if his shot's not going defensively. He's got to provide something for Philly and uh, get his stride back, um, even if he is the third wheel now or maybe even fourth within the Florida offense. I, I, right quick, I just thought it was so key that they kept Maxi and, and any of that dealings, you know, with Brooklyn and stuff, yeah. you know, uh, it, it was that was very key, and, and it's showing why, because he's he's the, he was the guy. You know, you can't you can't give up him and Ben Simmons. That would make no sense, like because because Maxie was the guy who allowed Simmons to be dealable in the last part. From you know, in my opinion, yeah, most definitely. Um, Philly is definitely a one in that discussion for sure. Um, and, you talk about Boston. Boston, that two-headed monster over there with Jalen Brown and Tatum, they figured it out. <laughs> they figured it out, and it, and it showed Tatum going on 50, 50-some last game. You know, you can tell he's motivated and rejuvenated as well to help get the team back in the in the forefront of the playoff race and give credit to Ime Udoka, first-year coach, to get that team sort of circling back Man. in the right direction. Uh, so sure. many people was trying to act – so many people was trying to act like he maybe wasn't the guy Right. You know, at the beginning of the season, but now they gotta shut their mouths a bit about him now. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely uh shown that he knows what he's what he's doing to get this team back in the right direction. Um, but for me though, honestly, it's Miami, just because of the experience, just because of the roster that's that's put together over there, and it's an Eric Spolstra team. Eric Spolstra teams are always known to be very successful in the playoffs and postseason and throughout the regular season in general. They don't have many fall-offs. And it's shown so far right now with them being the number one team in the East why that is the case. They, they've had their injuries across the year, and, they and you know, they weren't always the number one team. But over time, they eventually get – they find this that sweet spot where they just lock in and they stay locked in for a very long time. And that's what's showing right now. And I, I, it's hard to debunk. The, the the caliber uh, that Miami Heat the Miami Heat coaching them bring, especially when you got someone like if their Oladipo comes back and becomes even seventy percent of what he used to be, that's yeah. a win for Miami. I think that's a win for Miami, especially going into postseason. Um, that gives them another option offensively, and you don't have to rely on Jimmy Butler giving you 25, 30 points a night. And um, like that's something that even though. It's up in the air as a wild card per se. That's something that that's like a, a extra play play in their hand for Miami that not many teams are really going to be ready for if it plays out uh, the way it's supposed to that it can play out. So I, I just can't go against the Miami team that's led by Eric Spoelstra that has the experience that Eric Spoelstra has and the culture that that team has, uh, especially since just two years ago in the bubble they were the NBA Finals. Like, let's not forget that that's that the roster currently constructed was in the NBA Finals at one point. Um, so I just can't go against them right now. And I think because of their experience, that's what's going to be the big thing that's going to help them get over the top and potentially get them to another Eastern Conference Finals. 
And they've added uh, they've added pieces since the bubble team. You know, they they've been sort of the opposite of, of the Lakers in that way, where <laughs> the Lakers sort of peaked in the bubble. But Miami is just, you know, they 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 had they say they had a little bit of a downside last year. They had a, a almost embarrassing uh playoff series against uh, Milwaukee last year, but Milwaukee was gunning for them. But uh, you know, they 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 didn't they didn't get too down in the dumps about that. They came back this year. They, re, you know, re-fortified that, that roster. And you got, like, Gabe Vincent and guys like that, you know. They, they you know, watching them against the Bulls, like, they were so impressive the way that they were just so energetic and, you know, able to, you know, guard multiple players and, you know, do multiple – just do different things on the court that – the Bulls had no answer to in that particular game, and so you you, you figure they're doing that night in and night out, and yeah, that's you know, there's a reason why they're the top seeded team right now, and they, and I would guess that they're going to stay that way. That's the one thing you got to respect about Miami, man. No matter who they put in position on the floor, those guys are always ready uh, to step in and, and step up, um, even in the absence of guys when they've been hurt. You know, you you write Josh with Jimmy. You know, Jimmy doesn't have to put up 20 to 25 a night with this team. You know, he can have an off night and somebody's going to pick him up. You know, P.J. Tucker has been a huge presence for them, not just with his defense, but uh, his three-point shooting, you know, particularly the corner, you know, in catch-and-shoot situations. Tyler Harrow has grown immensely um, in his third season as a pro. And watching him um, on a night-to-night basis has been very phenomenal. So that's a team that you definitely can't count out. You know every time you play them in a best-of-seven, you're going to get your money's worth because they're going to make you work defensively. And they are a well-coached team, and they always have been undisclosed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, want, you want to say something, Steve? Yeah. I was going to say, you know, um, both of those two teams, I, I could see all those points. But I'm I'm still a favor with Milwaukee. Uh, I, I, okay. I'm I'm uh, to to be the champs. You got to beat the champs type of team, type of person. Um, and they just I think a huge factor though is in Miami that PJ Tucker leaving Milwaukee is a big thing for them for sure. But I'm still on Drew Holiday, man. Who he three he he. he he showed the last playoffs that he could he step up in big games to help out. And 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 he's not the second, he's the third tier guy for uh, you know, because Jan, I think Giannis and, and Elton are gonna be, they're gonna get what, what they what they supposed to get. Hmm. You, you look uh, at that Friday uh, game Parker. too with, with the bull. Uh, I was oh, saying you look at that Friday game too, with Drew was abusing the Bulls in that fourth quarter, man. Yeah. He was, he was giving it yeah. to him, and so he's he's definitely yeah. a guy you got to take serious. And to have three guys like that in a playoff series is tough. And now you pick up an Ibaka you know, without losing much. Now you got that defensive guy who, again, we're talking about those bigs. Now you can put Ibaka, and granted, it's a a more mature Ibaka against Miami's uh, Bam Adebayo or uh, Embiid. Just to soak it up some, and I'm not sure how Brooke Lope be if he, you know, comes back because you know he's always hurt a, a lot of times. But um, come playoffs, if he's come back and, and can give them even 75 percent of what he can be, it makes Milwaukee dangerous. And you know, Giannis is always ready for that challenge. I think he he's one of those guys that's like who likes to be doubted, 
because he always wants to try to prove prove himself. And I think that that doubt being thrown that they can't win it two years in a row is nothing but fuel for them. So I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm Milwaukee. I mean, realistically, all three of those teams you can't go wrong with none of them. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm a Milwaukee guy. Brooke Lopez, right. if he could come back, like you said, that would be that'd be huge because he's such a big part of what they do defensively yeah. and helping them space that floor out with his yep. shooting ability. Like I said, I've been in Milwaukee games a lot of times over these last three years, and Brooke has been huge. And ever since he's gotten yep. there, the team has taken off. Granted, yeah, Giannis yep. is the straw that stirs a drink, but Brooke is a huge piece there. We talk about straws who serve drinks. A big one is Nikola Jokic out there in Denver. And, uh, you know, Gabe, you you sort of gave your answer already to this. But, I, you know, it looks like right now the two guys you got to talk about with MVP is Jokic and Embiid. You know, a, a week or so ago, you know, we, we was talking – and these, all these players are still in, in the stratosphere. You know, you talk about Giannis. You talk about – you want to talk about uh, DeMar, definitely. You want to talk about uh, – God, I'm trying to think of Steph, you know, there's, there's guys who are in the stratosphere, but it seems like the two biggest, uh, you know, planets right now in this MVP discussion are Jokic and Embiid. Uh, you know, Embiid, we saw what he could do, you know, up close on Monday. You know, uh, I'm looking, let me get these numbers up with Jokic. He, uh, Jokic himself beating the Warriors with a triple-double again, 32 points, 15 rebounds, and 13 assists. Last night, and then when, like I said, beating the Warriors, that's coming the night after 46, 12, and 11 against the Pelicans, man. Like, these numbers are insane, man. <laughs> like, uh, and and say, so Gabe, you know, you, like I said, you're giving it to B, you know, but, but, you know, so many people are saying, man, Jokic, he, he, he may, he may have to defend the title on this one with the MVP, man. What are y'all thoughts on that? I think you can for sure, um, especially since he's doing this without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., yeah. um, keeping this yeah. team afloat in, in, in the Western Conference with those guys coming back eventually. Like, you got to give props to an MVP who elevates his game to that type of level. And I think what makes it so fascinating, too, is that this day and age, these numbers are being put up by big men, centers, that over time – and pre- throughout the history of the game, that's never really been done before, especially when you're talking about a assist perspective. Like, that's what makes Jokic's great game so unique, his ability to not only be able to score the ball pretty much whenever he wants, but also make the assist and make the right plays to set up his teammates to score efficiently. And that's something that his, that's being displayed. You know, obviously, Joel can, be, can do it, and, and he's been the main reason why Philadelphia's been where they are now. But there's no Jokic, there's no Denver, because <laughs> you, don't, you don't have anybody else, you know, and if you want to talk about the most valuable player, I'm with Gabe on this as far as I do think Joel Embiid is my front runner, and if the season ended, he'll be my MVP, but Jokic is a one is like a 1B, 1A, 1B, because if, if you take him out of Denver with the number he's putting up, Denver would not be in the playoff race right now, because they don't have the top guy to run an offense around and anchor defensively around especially without Jamal Murray and Michael, Michael Ford Jr. So you got to put Jokic in that 1A type of category in that fight for type of first place. We talk about the MVP race just because of that alone. I've never seen a time in my life watching the NBA where every week 
you're looking at the top five in the MVP race fluctuate like it has. <laughs> um, Nikola Jokic yeah. is always a top five or ten player to me. And if he played on the East Coast on a nightly basis, I think more fans will have a chance to appreciate just how talented he truly is. Um, it's kind of crazy to think that statistically – He's probably going to end up putting a better year together this season than he did last year when he won the MVP. Um, if he, I feel like if Denver was a top four team, um, the conversation would really need to be had. Um, but he's definitely as of this week. Yeah, you you got to put him in the top three, and you do have to respect what he's done. Even keep Denver within the top six and out of that playing range, like you said, Josh, without a. Um, Jamal Murray without a Michael Porter Jr. and they've been nicked up and banged up, you know, and and, and yet and, and everything in Denver does go through Nikola Jokic right now, who is a, a very dominant force, and you know his his vision is just crazy, man. Um, and what he's able to do on the block, it's like these teams have no answer for him. I'm very interested to see them in a playoff series, but right now, yeah, he he's he's elevated himself up into that MVP conversation where he's a top five guy. But then you also have like guys like Luka Doncic, who's making a run for it. Ja, you know, Demar, yeah. you know, you still gotta what he did in February can't be understated. Like this all NBA mm. first team, it, it's gonna be a lot of guys who end up getting Snub. left off and, and snub. And you, they don't feel like, hey, I had an argument yeah. for that. And it, that's gonna be interesting. How do you select the five guys for first team all NBA, let alone your top five in MVP vote? Yeah. Yeah, no, this is gonna be a hell of a vote this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And we talk about Ja, he's uh him him and Memphis are rolling right now, TNT beating mm-hmm. up on uh New Orleans. So yeah, definitely glad you brought up uh, Luca. Yeah, Luca's always in the hunt now, it seems uh with, with MVP too, because the way he carries Dallas. But uh Steve, if you had to put one other guy, like I said, I put the two big men up. If if you had to put one other guy as a as an equal or close to it at in the three spot, who would you put? You just said it. Luca. I think ever since the Dallas got rid of Porzingis, he has more of a freedom to kind of do what he does, which is uh fight, you know, get get the team involved first early in the game. He gets his rebounds and then second half he goes and scores. He takes over. Um, you know, as a um, I say about six, eight point guard. I mean, who's not athletic at all, but gets it done. I mean, he, he that's what he does. And I think, you know, to say I want – I don't know. I want to put LeBron – I want to put LeBron. It's just natural. And I'm not a, one of those LeBron, I'm I mean, not LeBron in, in the middle of all this, LeBron just drops 56. Yeah, on, on yeah that's what I'm saying. Right. So, and I know somebody's watching this and be like, yeah, so how y'all done bring up LeBron? Bruh, I mean, the Lakers record itself kind of speaks for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, that's but, pretty much it. It's pretty much But Luca is definitely putting that team on his back. And, and not to say that, like, you know, getting help from guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, who just got over there, is, is good for them. But he is like how MB was carrying uh, Philly before they get hard. And like I said, without uh, um, Murray there in Denver, it's basically Jokic. So, I mean, it's kind of hard not to put uh, – 
Luca in that category, especially when everybody uh, complained about him being so out of shape and and not ready for the season early on, and he's proving everybody wrong again, saying you know and saying that he could lead a team. And I mean, he would for me, he would be that third slot guy. And I and we know uh, if you guys are on Twitter and everything, like we're seeing everybody posting, oh, you know, John Moran. D Rose MVP numbers. Yeah, I get that. But them is balling as well too. Them other guys are out there really balling helping is helping with that. That's a team effort. Even when John's not playing, those guys Dallas too many games without Luka Doncic. It, it's not many and 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 though Bronson comes off the bench. Dallas doesn't have a shot at the playoffs without that guy. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's like like Gabe said. This may be an unprecedented uh, MVP race that we're seeing here, man. The way that you know, we have so many uh, competitors for it. So, and, and like it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how these voters take in all this information, you know and. You know, we we talked about it last week, like how the it's a very much a narrative award too. Like it's we have that's just part of it. You know, given the process that it is now, that we have writers who lo- who pretty much vote on it, and you know, a lot of it is about people's stories and the stories of their teams and everything. That's why you mostly have winning team people from winning teams win MVPs in the NBA. So you know, a lot of that's going to be in 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 focus uh with this whole uh vote and you know who who finishes where who's hot who's probably the hottest at the end of the year who has the biggest games maybe in the biggest positions maybe the tnt games the abc games and you know who who's performing at that at the highest level on those games you know so you know we'll have to see you know but uh it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I hope. Hope Demar doesn't fall off completely in the talk because, like Gates, he just won Player of the Month, and uh, you know he had an amazing February. You know, hopefully he can get himself going back to where he can maybe at least hover around that top five. But I, I'm, I'm worried, man. In the face of, I say those big men and you know people like John. And Luca, man, it may be it may be hard for him to stay in that top five. But anyway, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh sort of get towards the, the the towards the end of the show here. Uh, Steve, you know, great, very glad to have you on, man. On at any time, but definitely uh in the wake of you know you you being able to uh, uh cover the super sectionals at UIC. Uh, the class was it three F three and four A? Uh, yes, games yeah. that took place. Games. Yeah, and um, you know, the, you had uh in in the four A game, you had Whitney Young winning over Kenwood. Me and Gabe was talking uh before we got on. Uh, I saw some of the uh uh the the Tyrone Slaughter uh <laughs> quotes. From uh, Mike I, Irvin, you, you probably you, yeah, you probably were even you probably were in the room for those man. We just talking about like man, there's no rivalry here with Kenwood, and like it's it's you know there's no such thing, and and he, he was really just putting up, you know, putting on for for Whitney Young, which you know you can expect, 
you know, given what they've what they've done, and 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 really, it's, it's I, I want to get your thoughts on them this year, like because we we talked at the beginning of the year about some of the local teams, and you know, it, young is always young is young, you know, they always uh, a, a great program, but you know, is is this surprising the way that they've come out this year and, and done what they've been able to do this year? Necessarily, um, I think the reason why sometimes during the season we kind of lose lose uh, Whitney Young in the conversation because a lot of times they play they play out of state. Whitney Young sort of plays mm-hmm. on national schedule, and with them playing a national schedule, we don't see them as much. And that was one of the conversations uh, going into the city playoffs is that for some reason every year. Whitney Young is one of the teams that's always forfeiting games at the end of the at the end of the uh, tournament or the, at the end of the uh, regular season because they play so many games out of town. There's certain teams that they just never play each year. So how can we really put them in the city or, or always give them like a number one seed or a top seed because they either they come to an agreement with the other team that somebody will take the forfeit each year, but in, in the end, you know they always are are battle tested come around this time. Um, and which is why they they do have such a, a winning percentage come come state time because they they do go play the better teams across the the country and when it gets to this point you know they 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 seem to be ready for whoever's in in the state. And next up for them they got Barrington in the state semifinals, uh you know uh, state semifinals and uh, finals taking on. Taking place on Thursday through Saturday at a uh, State Farm Center where U of I play in yeah. Champaign, and uh, yeah. those games going to be on Friday with the Class Four A Whitney Young going against Barrington and Bolingbrook against Glenbard West, uh, who's a team that has you know definitely garnered a lot of attention yeah. uh, throughout yeah. this season. So we we look at that foursome, you know, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, Glenbard may be the the favorite of that four, but yeah, yeah man, it's it's not even a, <laughs> a, a question at this point who's going to win the four A state championship. It's pretty much just written in stone. Um, but you, we never know. We, like I say, nothing's given until the, the three zeros on that clock. But Glenbard West, has time and time throughout the year, even against that Sierra in that Sierra Canyon game, proved to everyone that they yeah. are here. And they are ready to 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 be thrown uh, to be the champs. I mean, that's basically what this team was for the past two years have been, and, and this is what they've been marching towards the whole the whole two seasons to be the number one team in the state. And I don't see really anything knocking them off at this point. You know, Whitney Young has been playing well of late, but we saw what happened to them the first time they played them. A thirty-point loss, maybe this year, maybe come Saturday it'll be fifteen points. But it's, I don't. I mean, Glenbrow West have so many weapons. They're just too, too big at every position. They kind of have besides the, a, a natural point guard, but they have literally everything needed to win a state, no matter who they play. Even if Simeon was what we saw, what they did to Simeon, like it, it was. Ridiculous how they destroy Simeon. <laughs> and, and Simeon, as I moved to 3A, you know, Simeon makes it to the to the semifinals. They won uh, on as, 
they won yesterday as well at uh yeah. at UIC. UIC. They get to face yeah, they get to face uh was it uh Metamora. Well I'm not exactly Metamora. sure where, yep. where that yep. school. Yeah. Yep. But they face them near on Peoria. Friday in Peoria. Peoria. Okay, that, that's yeah. usually the case. If it ain't Chicago, yeah, yeah. it's Peoria. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. With the big schools. But but uh in the other side, you know, uh Chicago's represented too in uh from the from the Catholic side with Saint Ignatius and they go uh, they go against yep. Sacred Heart Griffin, which is typically a, a a good program coming out of Springfield. You know, what what do you think about that foursome in that group? Um that's that's a pretty good pretty good group. Ignatius kind of surprised a lot of people because they just didn't have the season that they were supposed to, but yet they're still going downstate. Uh, uh, a really good senior-led team with Ignatius. A lot of those guys played varsity for three years, three or two, four years already. Um, they didn't have the type of season. I think early on, according to Michael O'Brien, he had them maybe as, like, number two, and they lost a lot of games. They lost a lot of games they should have won, but whatever the case, they're going down. Say, um, this is this. Yeah, we was talking. I remember we were talking season. about them early in the year, too. Yeah, like we was talking about at least the Catholic yeah. schools, like them and Saint Rita. Yeah, but but yeah, yep. but like yep. you say, they had some had some tough losses during the year. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they they, they had some some games that they kind of gave up. But I mean, like I said, I was gonna say three A is basically for Simeon to lose. Um, saw a great performance by the junior big man uh, Miles Rubin, uh, who was a transfer from HF that um, really came in and just was a. a a load for Lamont to, to just even be able to guard. The kids just athletic, can caught a couple of times, got the ball in the post, drop step dunks, uh, had about three to four blocks, uh, covers ground. And then Simeon already has a good uh, um, trio of guards that any any three of that starting guards could be point guards at any other school. And they all play together. Mm-hmm. So you have that, those three, and then you have the two twin brothers playing. And then Simeon could come off the bench with a, another group of four to five guys that, that can help who will be starters anywhere else. It's always good to have, especially going down the state. And Rob Smith is just a – he's, again, he's another coach that's just always ready for this time of year, just always has his – his game plan ready. He he, he does the work, and, and a lot of time it always shows because Simeon's always coming back home with 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 some type of title. And uh, looking at the lower classes, they, they, y'all uh, Judy and y'all hosted uh, some playoff games with the low uh, this year. Yeah. Did y'all get to see any of these these lower class teams that are left? Uh, I know two way we got uh, uh, DePaul College Prep from Chicago. Shout out to. Uh, Cam Smith and Tom Klein Schmidt and all yep. the, the Cam, yep. Gordon the, Tech, Gordon <laughs> Tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gordon. All the all the uh, the alums from Gordon, former Gordon Tech, they going against Nashville and uh, Taylor Ridge of uh, uh, Rock okay. Ridge is going against Monticello. Did yeah? Uh, did you yep. come across any of those teams uh, this year? So honestly, I'll, I'll be going down to Champagne. I'll be down there. Uh, okay, this weekend to go cut. Uh, we. At our sectional, we had at Julian, we had Leo who lost to DePaul last night. Leo actually went into that game as the number one 
2-18, but ended up falling to DePaul actually twice in the span of two weeks because they lost to him the week before um, we started to play playoffs. I think that was their last game. It was undefeated going into the last game, and DePaul ended up beating them. But uh, DePaul has a, a, a big-time recruit, a six, I want to say 16, Dylan Arnett, who's a Division One prospect uh, who, who gets it done. And those other teams in two-way are – those teams are mainstays downstate. They, they always – Come out uh, on the small school side uh, when when it gets down to this this point of the year. We always see Taylor Rockridge. Uh, you said Monticello, and the last one was um, Nashville. Was, uh, Nashville. Nashville always downstate every year. Um, yeah, I, I know. I, I know really from, chance from to... I would have to say yeah for southern uh, southern Illinois schools. That's definitely one of those yeah. top schools. Ever. Uh, yeah, one of they're always down there, so you know you never know what what you're gonna get from those teams. Uh, it, it'll be good, refreshing for me to finally see some new some new teams because I feel like I've been covering the same twelve teams all year besides my own games. But I've been watching the <laughs> same teams every game: Simeon, Glenbar, Whitney Young, Kenwood, uh, the Julian, of course. But it's like the same kid, the same teams every year: Leo. So it, it'll be good to get Steve, down. Steve, what do you think about the tournament going back to uh, U of I? Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, great man! I I think it's great. Uh, a lot of people who I talk to are really interested in in getting back down the state, especially since we haven't done it in two years anyway. But uh, a lot, I think a lot of people who are really interested to see how it's going to shake out 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 there. As far as I've been, when I my high school years, I've always been in Peoria, so that's one. The main reason why I'm going because I need to see, hey, what's the layout that Champagne is gonna, you know, put out there um, for uh, the state of uh, Illinois again for the high school basketball side. Um, so I think it'll be fun. Uh, hopefully, we get some good weather down there, um, and that always helps. But um, I, I think the format, is, the format this year is really one of the biggest things too as well. I don't know if you know, but like, so they're doing six games the first two nights, and then the last night all four state championship games on the same day, which is something they haven't done before. Okay. I think I think it makes sense, if you ask me. Um, so, I mean, that'll be so, sort of new because uh, normally they do 1A, 2A, one weekend, and then the next weekend they do 3A, 4 right. So just trying to knock right. them all out. Yeah, trying to knock them all out the same weekend is pretty big as well. And so I'm, I'm assuming they hope that they boost up um, – boost up uh, – the gate and, and, and get a lot of uh, fans and uh, who's just hungry for basketball into this one weekend. But they they did that last week with the girls, right? They, they did the same thing with the girls, but yep. over yeah, in New York, yeah, normal. Yeah, no, yeah, normal. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think was, it did, was I think it did pretty better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, look at again. Look yeah, at that. Got the, uh, go ahead. I was say looking at the at the boys' side just right quick. We uh, looking at the one A. Uh, you got Liberty and Scales Mound and uh, Steelville against Yorkville Christian, who we talked about again uh, earlier in the season because of their big uh, recruit uh, Jaden Shut going to Duke. Yeah, and uh, you know, so that's that's definitely going to be a draw for a lot of people to see him try to finish off a, a state championship. Do you, are, are, is York, would Yorkville be the favorite in, in that foursome? 
So Scales Mound is the the overall one A um, seed, and and that's only because Yorkville Christian has played. I don't. Yes, Yorkville Christian is the number one team to be beaten down there. I mean, never going against Duke guys. Of course, me, I would never go against Jaden Shoot. <laughs> so that yes, uh, they should definitely be the number one team. But Scales Mound is the the AP Illinois number one seed going into this thing. So I I expect to see those two team championship. Uh, anything can go. I think Scales Mounds is more of a defensive team, and Yorkville Christian just kind of gets up and just kind of run and gun. So that'll be a good dynamic to watch uh, over this weekend. But I'm I'm rolling with the Yorkville Christian team because they just played everyone. A team who could go and play a uh, 4A Kenwood and beat them uh, one weekend really shouldn't have too much issues dealing with smaller 1A teams. Um, so, yeah, Man. I'm going to go with Yorkville That makes Christian. a difference. They play, yeah. yeah, Yorkville Christian. Yeah, Yorkville Christian, I – this is my first time, of, of course, hearing about them, but I didn't know they were they're not in a conference. So their whole schedule is just non-conference games. So they just – that's sort of why they played everyone. They played with uh, the Whitney Youngs. They played uh, Leah. They, I mean, they played everybody. I don't think it's a team in the state they didn't play. And so that helps them immensely going to a, this state tournament because they everybody they play, if you look at their numbers, the games, they've beaten everyone at least by 23 points every game. Right, right. Quick, what was what was the best game you you think you were uh, you were at personally this year? The the Glenbar West um, and um, what's the Sierra King? Sierra King. Sierra King. Yeah, that's that game by far was one of the most intense, uh, just fun games to be at. It it just brought that high school feel back. To, to life, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, like the game last night with Kenwood and Young was pretty fun too. Uh, that that was that was a, a fun rubber match, but uh, on a natural side, that game, but that Sierra Canyon Glenbar West game was was one of the all time favorite games I've probably been to in my life, honestly, in my life. Yeah, people people probably gonna talk a lot about that game going forward with the way that yeah. you know the star power that was involved in that and the setting and. The way that it ended, you know, it was yeah, it was a great game, definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, right quick, you know, to be honest, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Go, no, no, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like, it's funny. My, I have a nephew who doesn't even watch basketball, but knew that Bronny and Amari Bailey was coming in town, and this is a month or two wow. before the game even happened. So that lets you know the type of the type of, you know, coverage it was getting that even guys who don't even cover it in their own state, basketball watch it, knew how big of a game this was. Well, initially it was supposed to be Simeon, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? They That's how big it was that everybody knew about it. And they, when you talk about sellout, like UIC Pavilion last night had big crowds, but the whole, like, win trust was sold out from the, from the bottom to the top for these two high school games. Two high school games, so that that lets you know how how big it was. Definitely, and yeah, that like it, it it looked like it was a whole like I streamed it, you know, on on uh, from home, and it just looked like a, a the you know, comparing that uh, you know that presence and everything to what you get even from the DePaul games or the Sky games that we saw last year. It was like 
it was on top of all that. Like it was, it was yep. like you say, the place was packed. The, the energy was there. It was, it was great to see. So uh, hopefully they will put together more games like that in that arena because it's really ideal for that type of stuff. But, but before we go though, man, you mentioned no, no, definitely. you mentioned your your love for Duke, and you know, <laughs> you know, we, we we gotta we gotta ask you about this past weekend and what happened, man. What Saturday didn't know, happen. Coach, that didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> you gonna try to ignore it? Coach K couldn't ignore right. it after the game. He, he had to tell no. everybody to shut up, man, because he was he was yeah. mad, man. He, you know, I, I, that's a rough one, though. On, on his last game, yeah, and at, at you know on that court to lose like that to 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 NC, man. That, no, do, do you think the guys going to get over that, man? They will, I think. And, and going into it, it's, that's an emotional game for those guys. But you got to think about it. And I'm, again, I'm not throwing out no excuses, but here's my excuse. Um, those guys had, I mean, Coach K had how many people come in for that game? You got all these old NBA guys who used to be on campus. You got all these, like, I saw a picture before the game. Um, oh, Wendell, not Wendell Carter. Um, what, man? Uh, uh, Wendell Moore. Wendell Moore is taking pictures okay. with Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, taking pictures with Dirk Nowitzki before he was supposed to go play a rivalry game. Let's be honest. Like, your mind is not set to go play a, a big-time rivalry game. Not to mention, UNC just – y'all just whooped UNC by 30, practically, the, the, uh, in, in Chapel Hill. So, UNC is not caring about none of this. They just – they want blood. And we – you going into yeah. – oh, man, that's our coach last game. And we going to do – you know, we want to send him out right. And – and then you got Jay Will, Jay Williams coming in. You got uh, Jason Tatum. You got you know all these guys there, and you're like, oh, that's such a such. You know what I'm saying? It's it's kind of hard to get prepared for a game when you're dealing with that type of stuff, and, and everybody's emotional. You got all these people coming out of nowhere that you haven't seen all year coming to, to, to your game. And again, it's, it was for the right purpose. Coach K, his his farewell tour. I get it. But it's hard to, to 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 drop all those emotions and just go right to playing a game for a team that's coming for your head. It, it's just it is what it is. So that I mean, and it's it's actually good for Duke to kind of lose the game like that right before the AC, ACC playoffs. Because now it sharpens them back up. Because if if they win a game yeah. by twenty, more likely they lose in the semifinals to Florida State or something again. So I'd rather them lose the, that game and then be able to win the ACC and hopefully. Get a strong two or maybe one seed going into the the, the tournament next weekend. Speaking of that, still, you talk, yeah, well, speaking of that, like dude, <laughs> like because they got a chance to get a number one seed, and it's been a lot yeah. of reports going on that as opposed to picking the South region, which is a uh, East region, which is traditional for Duke to do when they get the top seed, right. that they're considering picking the Midwest region and playing in Chicago. Is right. as a result of those last season. What you, what's your give thoughts that. on that? Give me that. Give me that right there. I'm buying all the tickets up for myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm in there. But see, but now, yeah. but see now, they may have to win. They may have to win the ACC to to get yeah. in that position now. To get a one seed, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, who? I mean, my thing is other because, like Purdue. Because I'm thinking as far as Midwest. The Big Ten will be will be a likelihood for a Midwest team. So if they get a one or a two in the Midwest, 
who do you put? You you could probably say U of I, um, in that spot, which I wouldn't be afraid of U of I at all, especially you know how they uh, played last year. And I still think they have some issues that they need to address going into the tournament. And I'm I'm a U of I guy as well. Like I'm, I'm a fan of U of I. Um, yeah. But it, it seems I, like I, it seems like right now it seems like right now people are looking at Gonzaga, uh, Auburn, maybe Kentucky, maybe uh, uh, what's what's another? It's one other team. Uh, but this this it's sort of a group like that. Duke of Duke, of course, is in. Uh, but or the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve winner maybe involved in that as well. Right. So, but that'd be Kansas, Kansas, or probably Kansas, Kansas or Bell. Yeah. Or Bell. So, yeah, maybe Kansas so, could possibly. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you're looking at a group like that, dude, who you probably fighting with for those top seeds. Yeah, and I mean Gonzaga will be scary, but this Gonzaga team is not like that Gonzaga team from last year, so they don't really put a huge scare. Uh, I mean, I think they, they bring back Tilly, who's a, a really good player. Um, but as far as those other teams, I think, I mean, this is, to me, this is an open, this is an open uh, championship for anybody in college. I don't see, there's no one team that you just can say, oh, we know they'll be in the Final Four. You know what I'm saying? They'll put Gonzaga in the West, but they'll get they'll get some runs. Like, Gonzaga lost to someone for the first time in the conference in a while. Um, I was. Oh, uh, yeah. Santa Clara. Santa Clara, right? You know what I'm saying? What, so Santa, Santa Clara and yeah. Mary's actually. Right, yeah. Santa, it, it's yeah, normally right. Saint Mary's. Oh, yeah, normally yeah. Saint Mary's is always a team who always knock off Gonzaga. So I mean, yeah. I don't they're, see Gonzaga playing, as a they're big. They're playing now in their conference championship. Uh, Gonzaga's up ten. They're about to go in the halftime, but yeah, but it yeah. was Saint. It was Saint Mary's that beat them here. Yeah, and so I mean, I don't see them as a big, as a huge uh, factor, or, or they're a huge factor. I don't see them as a big mountain for any teams to climb because the Pac-10 has been pretty, pretty good too. You got Arizona, uh, who's been playing pretty well. Arizona, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, you 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 throw them in that pack. I mean, anybody. This is pretty much open. You know, Baylor doesn't have uh, Mitchell anymore. Mitchell's the main. Person on that on that team last year who you like if you don't want to see anybody you don't want him guarding you you don't want him guarding anybody on your team because he's, he's gonna tough. come up with a steal mm-hmm. yeah he's just too tough he's one of the dogs that you gotta man don't don't let him off the leash but besides that I don't it's nobody like that in basketball um the, the kid now the kid from Auburn that they're telling that could be a number one is is, is somebody. Yeah, like he, yeah, he's somebody who, who I can, you know, see that that could be a problem. He got a big tournament, but really nobody's scary. I mean, Kentucky is always has all the weapons, but I mean, we've seen it as Kentucky can really have some great days and some really bad days where they just not, they just don't have it that day. And I mean, that's that could be anybody in the tournament this year. Yeah, that's true about Kentucky. Definitely, definitely. That's, my, that's my favorite program, uh, John Calipari. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's a, yeah. They they had a good day. Like defensively, when they're clicking, they look like the top team in the country. But when their defense isn't right and shots aren't falling, it could it could be rough for yep. them. Yep. Yep. So, 
Yeah, it'll be a fun tournament, man. I'm 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 just I'm looking forward to just watching games again on that Thursday morning at nine o'clock. That's all. Right. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to U of I. Shout out to uh Loyola for both getting in again. It looks like yeah. you know, uh Loyola's official because they won the valley. Uh, U of I won yeah. a piece of the big ten and they're gonna be the number one seed in the tournament uh coming up this weekend. So they're in a good position and uh hopefully they won't get matched up in round two again. <laughs> but uh yeah, you know, we'll, we'll we see how they go. They, they can't do that. They can't do that to us again. Yeah, they 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 played them. They did the bogus last year, man. But but they said Loyola's Loyola's game to play. It was they came into that for uh, that valley as a fourth seed, man, and they just handled mm-hmm. their business the, the entire weekend. So that I say mm-hmm. the, the shout out to Drew Valentine in his first year, uh, a really good job that he's done with that program. Uh, they. So they're not losing anything, it looks like. But uh yeah, I'm 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 gonna see. We we may have a we may have a, a little something on Sunday. Uh I know we did something last year with right after the brackets came out. But I'm definitely gonna try to put together a a bracket challenge too. So uh I'm gonna try to get you gentlemen and, and some of our other collaborators and such involved in that. And uh we're we gonna see who who can who can make the bit the it, it ain't really no skill to it. It's just who makes the best guesses, you know. Really, exactly. when it comes to those brackets, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who makes the best set of guesses? But uh, but it's fun anyway, you know. And uh, we we definitely go go. Uh, like I say keep up with that as the as the rest of March rolls around. But uh, for now, this gonna be it for this round of uh, uh, uh of <laughs> running with war. Uh, appreciate you gentlemen for joining me on this episode. Gabriel Wilkins, Joshua M. Hicks, Coach Steve Parham definitely made this show another fun one. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, if you guys want to shout out anything or, or, you know, like say, let anybody know what's what's going on with you before we uh, hang up. I'll go first. Yeah, like Oh, Steve! Oh, I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we can get him back on before we sign off. But St- Steve did say he's gonna be. He's gonna be at uh, the uh, the uh, the high school uh, co- high school uh, state championships this weekend uh, in uh, Champaign. He should be. I guess he should be writing and stuff for that. But uh, okay, we get him back on here. We can shout a shout out where we could get. His coverage, Steve. You good? Yeah, I don't just cut off on. <laughs> right, yeah. Game. But yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you. Uh, I, I I started it out for you. Like you said, you're gonna be at the uh, the the IHSA. IHSA. Yeah, I'll be. Yep. On Friday, I'm going down to catch the three A four championships, and just check. You know, check out articles for me on uh, Prep Hoops uh, this weekend. Uh, me and Scott Burgess, who do, who do a great job uh, covering the state and high school basketball scene. Uh, so, yeah, we look out, you know, catch me on Twitter at Coach S. Parham. I forgot to put it on my uh, in my uh, my my header. But, uh, yeah, just uh, look out for some tweets and stuff for me this weekend just regarding the state and going forward, man. I'm, I'm sorry. 
But I, I mentioned earlier about the fight that happened. It was the NEC championship game. And like ESPN just circled, they they just put the, the circle on one kid in the stage. But like like it was like he's the dude in public enemy shirt or something, man. Like they was like, <laughs> like this this is this is who to blame right here. Like some some young boy in a USA jersey, man. He's gonna be all on ESPN for the next uh twenty four hours, I guess. But they had to stop that game apparently, so but it was a blowout anyway, so yeah, that's how it right. But uh, I guess they they got to do better with their security at EC. So, this, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Josh, Josh, game, y'all got any got anything else before we sign off? Nah, man, not for the most part. Just follow me on the Twitter and Instagram, Josh M Hicks Media, for all the latest stuff going on. And the scope is coming back soon. You know, been handling some other uh, stuff. With you know grad school and everything, and finally this project's coming up, so I'm trying to knock those things out. But outside of that, Indescope will be back soon, so uh, definitely be on the lookout for that and other things coming your way uh, very soon. But you, you got you, you may have some postseason coverage for DePaul, right? Uh, we have someone else doing that. Someone else is doing that. Uh, so I will not be doing. I'll just be watching the games. I was just watching the games. Oh, okay. Go go blue demons, nevertheless. You know. Yeah, I know that spring break. Uh, no. <laughs> man, we need it bad. I, I remember them, I remember them grad school days at Paul. But yeah, you guys can follow me at what Gabe said on Twitter. Um, I'm always talking about game on there. Um outside of that, you can just find me there, find me on my Facebook and my name. I'm always talking basketball, so anytime, anywhere. Definitely, definitely. We'd be glad to have Gabe on talking with us as as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for now, man. Definitely follow these guys. Follow War Media at War Media on uh, so social, all your major socials. Uh, War on Anchor podcast. Uh, you get this podcast and many others. Uh, Second City Sports, uh, that Davis show. Uh, you know, all our, our pop culture stuff we got going on. I said, including the uh, the recaps of shows like uh, uh, Winning Times, which we, uh, we're getting more into as uh, as the spring go- unfurls. And, uh, yeah, that's it for now. Kyle Means, Means Matters on Twitter, and uh, K-Mean on the IG. Uh, for now, we uh, – like I said, we, we'll see. We'll, we'll check us out on Sunday. I think I'll have a little something live with uh, some uh, – yeah, reacting to the brackets – uh, if and after that, we'll be uh, have well, we we uh, next show we're gonna try to get as many people on as possible to uh, many of the core people on as possible to uh, run through their brackets for again for the for the war bracket challenge. So, uh, we're gonna uh, get back to get that's how we're gonna celebrate the madness going forward. And uh, like I say, who has the best guesses, <laughs> but uh, for now, uh Check uh check out our partners too uh, with ticksplits.com promo code war say five percent on any orders if you try to get some tickets to one of these uh NCAA tournament uh events including Chicago at the United Center check out ticksplits.com you may be able to hook yourself up with a little discount there if you save with W A R R promo code there and uh yeah that's it for now keep bouncing y'all. Keep peace in Ukraine and everywhere else in the world. And uh, that's it. We out.
Peace.